This is episode 230 on harnessing the power of humility and faith with James Quigley. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I sit down with a good friend of mine, James. He's the head of community over at Highbrow Lowbrow, members-only club here in Austin, and has just been someone that has made Austin feel like home since before I even got here. James has come from a background in athletics and sports that has taken him all over the world. He's been immersed in cultures from all over and has that experience that he then brings now into building community here and beyond Austin. Something that I felt when I first met him way back in 2020, I took a trip out here to Austin, knew a few people through the Instagrams, the social medias of the world, and James welcomed me to Cosmic Coffee. Before I knew it, we had coffee, tacos, and guns. And I was like, this is the guy that I want to be around. He is, you'll see that in today's episode, truthfully, because we're going to dive into talking about faith, humility in our daily walk and why that is so important, how to build actual true community, and so much more. Before we dive into it, this episode is going to be brought to you by the Forever Athlete Platform. It's an all-in-one community hub for everyone that you need in your life and everything you need in your journey after sports. With forever athletes all over the world coming together, it's a great place to come together, meet like-minded people and friends, and build that true life teammate bond. At Forever Athlete, we are on a mission to help athletes be happier and healthier in that next season. So come join the platform over at forever-athlete.com. And with that, let's dive into the show. Thanks for coming over, man. How are you feeling? Good, man. Thank you so much. This is beautiful, by the way. I know we talked about it earlier, but like... I love sunshine, open vibes in a in a space, and it's just like ah, this feels feels nice. It's plants, it's a vibe. I appreciate it, man. It's taken everything in me to like not be total plant dad and get even more plants, and fill the space that way. But I kind of recognizing it's okay to have yeah. tasteful pieces here and there. I had to go the other way. I had to get fake plants, and really? I know like so many people will like will cringe on that, but. I'm always out of my apartment. I'm That's never fair. there. Like I'm very, I'm never home. So, but I, when I come home, I like greenery. Yeah. I feel like to feel it. So it just went through killing some of my poor plants <laughs> where I'm like, I'm just going to get some fake plants. And it, it, fe- it still feels nice. Um, you don't get, you know, all the benefits of the oxygen and feeling the yeah. support of loving something. But that's why I have a dog. I was about to say. Yeah, that's why I have a great dog. I think the challenge living here in Austin at times is being like, oh my gosh, I have to do all of the things all at once to feel like a complete human. Yeah. And good on you for recognizing that might not be always true. Right, exactly. (laughs) You've got to, you got to minimize and you got to, you know, keep it simple. Yeah, man. I love it. Oh, I want, I want to start with kind of what you've, you've been doing lately Mm. is throwing these amazing community events, helping facilitate. Not just like the the highbrow community itself, but also helping other brands and all of them grow in just the event production and all of that. It's a I have such a level of respect for what you do because it's it's not easy. All the little details that you yeah. got to think of. But what has that been like? Because it's been a little over a year now mm-hmm. that you've been doing this, right? Yeah. How are you feeling at it? Um, I. I'm able to take like, uh, I'm able to catch my breath now. I was mm. talking to you. Um, the summertime just kind of slows down for high level professional events. Yeah. Uh, people are kind of like saving their budgets for Q3. Um, so Q2, it kind of slows down right after South by for us. 
um, or I should say after like wedding season, yeah, so to speak. It's hot, um, so I get to catch my breath. But it's been it's been incredible, Corey. It's been awesome, and the part of like helping other people get to produce their events from mm-hmm. you know uh, from a venue standpoint, but also then being able to you know help them with suggestions. You know how to produce the event from like from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, it's been humbling. It's been a lot of work. Um, it can feel a little bit overwhelming at times because, you know, for some for some of us in the past, if you've thrown events, you've focused on doing this one event. You've got 90 days to prepare, maybe more. And so you're focused on this one thing. I do four a week. <laughs> it's unreal, man. How do you how did you ramp up and like adjust to that cadence? Was there a learning curve period? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, the best part was like it was just me mm-hmm. and, and it was me, Chip and we had GT right uh, our, our all hands guy and so i think because of that i was able to ramp up quickly yeah you know and, and obviously i was able to bring all the the gifts and the tools and all the things that i've done in the past with me to this like role yeah um, which it, it felt like god was like okay like i gave you everything now here you go and just drop me in this soup and i just had to like figure it out yeah um and I think I was like, you put me in this role 10 years ago, I fail. But you put me today and it feels like I was made for this. What do you think you learned in that 10 years that changed that answer? Mm, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Just That's a whole other podcast. Send 10 years uh, in God, uh, a lot. one sentence. Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, I would say troubleshooting, you know, the ability to, to, to be calm mm-hmm. under pressure. Uh, to be able to be malleable and be flexible is huge in this space, right? You have to, you have a, you have a game plan, and all of a sudden that game plan goes to shit with rain, right? Or with power going out, or maybe you, some of your vendors didn't show up or didn't mm-hmm. provide you with what they said they were going to provide you with, right? So, just that calmness under pressure, right? Grace under fire, so to speak. Uh, second is communication. You know, mm-hmm. being able to communicate to the various types of people over the last 10 years, you know, whether it was in the fitness industry in New York City, whether it was uh, living in Kuwait and, you know, completely working with like multiple different cultures in that region um, and also working high level fitness events. Right. And communication was huge, you know, because that is so critical to running events is to making sure like you're in full communication. Um, Another thing would be uh, a sense of humor. As we talked about before, (laughs) Uh, if you do not have a sense of humor in this kind of lifestyle, you will be crying more than you're laughing. Right. And so (laughs) you're going to cry anyways. So you might as well cry and just be like, Oh shit. What the hell? Right. Um, So a sense of humor because most people are going to freak out. Mm-hmm. Most people are really going to lose their shit when things aren't working, right? And yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh, about a little less than, years, less than a year ago, we had just opened. We're doing this, like, uh, this influencer's birthday party at our space, and she's awesome, and the people we're working with are amazing, but the music wasn't working. Like, for some reason, the playlist they gave us and the Sonos that we were using in the house, that ne- like, nothing, it just wasn't working, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, people are already there. They're showing up. And she's, like, kind of freaking out. Her uh, wedding oh, – I'm sorry, her wedding. Her uh, event coordinator is kind of freaking out. Yeah. And I'm just like, no worries. Like, we got this. Like, here you go. Let's play, let's play this right now. And we're going to keep working on it. And yeah. just keep, you know, and just kept checking in and kept working on it. And, like, never, like, you know, just made her laugh, was a little playful with them a little bit. And – her feedback after that was that was the thing that she brought up the most mm. was like you never like I was freaking out and you were just this like grounded force and you even made me laugh and I was like awesome cool you're like um, win that's all I want yeah I was like cool <laughs> right and so the ability to like be grounded and communicate well mm -hmm. and to be able to solve those problems for other people is going to be critical and that's that's what I've took with me yeah, man. I love all of that. I mean, I, I think I, I had a chance to witness that firsthand when uh, you invited me to that movie showing, and I'm blanking on the name of the movie, um, back in April. Um, oh, there's a few. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, um, the um, Only His Son. Okay. Yeah, yes. the Christian film. Great film, by the way. And it was, it was funny because I, I remember like as we're sitting there in these chairs waiting for the, the film to start, and I like can't help but turn over uh, to to people and be like, "Is this disco thing gonna like stop?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're trying to. I thought right. this was a movie premiere. What right. are we doing? And then I caught myself and was like, "This is actually kind of hilarious. Why am I gonna like pass judgment and like right. let a disco ball, quote unquote, ruin the movie?" It's it's part of the experience, and I love that you even called into it. I think it would be it would be easy to shy away and yeah. say. Oh man, I hope no one notices the spinny disco ball. <laughs> it's like, how can you not? This right? Tent, right? Um, how did you learn to start to really call into things that, on the surface, it might be perceived by other people as like, oh man, I thought this was a, like a professional job. Like, yeah. what is this? Oh man, it, it, it you know it, it might have been a trauma response <laughs> uh, as a kid, right? Just kind of knowing, like, you know, like got it messed up or something. Mm -hmm. um, but if you remember the movie uh, Eight Mile yeah. with Eminem, and at the end, he kind of realizes, like, they're going to talk all this shit about you. And so he's like, oh, and he gets his realization, and he, like, destroys them with all the stuff that they're probably going to say about him. Yeah. Right? He just owns it. And it's like, so it's like, just own it. Mm. Just own it. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, we got this weird disco ball that I can't figure out how to shut off. So here we are. And it just becomes this, like, part of the experience. And you just, you kind of disarm people anyways. Yeah. Right? Like, you disarm them immediately by pointing out, like, hey, like, these are my faults. And it just shows, like, you don't take yourself too seriously. You kind of calm other people down. And at the end of the day, People really don't want to judge each other. We yeah. just, it's kind of a fault that we do anyways. So it's like you're kind of helping people like take it easy Yeah, a little bit. And it was like, ah, oh, you're right. What was I fucking worried about? Yeah. And I, I hear a lot of like just working with people to help main or really like change their expectations around it. Yeah. One of the things I, I always laugh, man, when I see your <laughs> your IG status on certain days where you're like, returning texts at like this time or like <laughs> I appreciate your patience and the first time I saw that I was like 
that's genius. <laughs> I love that because there's this unexpected, there's this unspoken expectation in today's culture yeah. where it's like, if I text you, I deserve a text back oh right God, away. All the time. And I'm sure I can only imagine with four events per week, vendors for everyone, friends, family, and everything else, yeah. your phone's got to be pretty, pretty busy at times. It's wild. What was that like? Was that one of those learned communication things over the last 10 years where you had to really realize, okay, I need to, I need to put hard, fast boundaries here for my own sake, because otherwise I'm just going to, I'm not going to do any work today. I'm just going to stay on my phone the entirety yeah. of the day. Yeah. And it, it came from, um, I used to run a community in New York city. I was running two gyms mm -hmm. and you know, in the CrossFit gyms, they're communities, right? They're community based. So you're dealing with a lot of stuff that happens outside of the workout. Yeah. And I remember one night at that point I was in a relationship and I was getting text messages at like 1030 at night from people within my community and some of them were females and they were asking me, it was very innocent. Yeah. They were asking me about like a workout and this and my then girlfriend is like, that's kind of rude. Mm. And that's also not professional and that's also like weird that like these people are just kind of like calling you whenever they feel like it and you're answering. Mm. I was like, yeah, you're right. Oh, <laughs> and, but I was like you, we talked about it. I felt I had to respond, mm -hmm. right? Or else like I'm projecting that they're probably freaking out on the other end of that phone if I don't respond. Yeah. So not too long ago, I remember a conversation recently with someone where they were like, I texted you. And I was like, I know. And they were like, they were like taking it back. And I was like, I know. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, I'll get back to you when I feel it's appropriate. Yeah. And that's it. And that's literally like, because we've, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to have phones without caller ID <laughs> and it was just a, like a voicemail. And it was like, it was great. You left the house and was like, I don't have any way to contact you. Yeah. Right. Like there's, I'll just get back to you whenever like I can. And so I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong with that approach still? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that approach. Right. Yeah. So it's just giving people the expectations like, Hey, this is when I'm available to get back to you. I'll get back to you shortly. Yeah. I think it's the better job we can like proactively communicate that it, it goes both ways. But yeah, I, I love the like in coaching. That's what I found to be challenging yeah. at times, too, because it's uh, like coaching is ever present all the time for sure in every area of life. You know yeah. what I mean? There's well, or content or right. social media. Like it's so easy to let all of the things be all the things. Yeah. Don't you feel like um, like you teach people how you want to be treated? Yeah. Right. We teach people how to treat us. And I think even how to communicate with us is very important. Um, so I had a person recently, she was just joking, but she texted me. She was like something like forever not responding to my messages. Mm. And I wrote back immediately. I was like, and that's the fastest way to never get a response back. It, joking, but at the same time, like yeah, that condescending will never get a response back. Yeah. I was about to say, it's like, uh, when you're, it's fighting that initial, like, lash out. Like, yeah. that's the behavior that I think is, <laughs> so we weren't going to talk about healing, but that's the <laughs> stuff that I feel like yeah. is a, a wound from some portion sure. of life, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's just showing up. And for the most part, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt where, like, they don't actually mean 
that in that totally. moment. It's just emotionally charged. That's all it is. And recognizing that like, hey, this isn't this isn't personal. Yeah. This isn't like a personal attack on James being this uh rude dude who never responds to text messages. It's just like, oh, James has boundaries and respects himself and respects the space and wants to give a response to me the best thought that he can. Maybe I should be more like that. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's intentional, mm. you know, and I think as I've learned to be more intentional with my boundaries, um, you'd be surprised at how many people fall off very quickly Yeah, because they don't, they don't, they don't have boundaries and they don't understand boundaries and, Sometimes it's great because then they learn and you yeah. teach other people like, hey, this is okay to have boundaries. But I think for the most part, people, they just choose not to deal with it. Well, I found that with with drinking. Oftentimes people, like when I chose to stop drinking about yeah. two and a half years ago, I had a lot of people in my life originally, like one, try to like test that boundary and, mm. and push it. And then you always hear, right? Like, oh, you stop drinking, you're going to like lose all of your friends. But really it, I think it weeds out a lot of the quality and the character of the people that you have in your life based off of how they respond to you expressing that, Hey, this is like what I need. Yeah. And if you can't respect that, then like, yeah, we need some, a little bit more distance and space between it. Yeah. It's so true. You know, it's so true. It's just, it's guidelines. It's principles, right? Like values, like these things that we talk about all the time about having a part of our lives and, they help us. They're like little these little bumpers, right? These yeah. little bumpers. When we kind of get off track, like we've got these principles and guidelines that kind of help us get on there. But when other people come into our lives and we have to share them, sometimes people just aren't ready for that. Yeah. And they don't know how to receive it. And so it allows those people to kind of find themselves out, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's a, a great way to put it. How did you start to learn over the years? And I'd be curious as like, really recently since I mean I still do I still remember coming to Austin visiting for the first time going shooting with you and Mm. um, it's really cool to see you know where we both are in retrospect to to back then to now Um, was there a process in that time where you really felt like values were shifting realigning for you and if so what was that process and like how would you maybe recommend or suggest someone like explore values in that sense in their life yeah you know i mean a lot of the values today i look back on it's like whoa those are those are a lot of things i valued as a child Mm. or i learned to value as a child and they came from sports um you know i i I loved playing sports because it taught me a lot of the things i wasn't learning at home Mm. you know um my father wasn't an athlete at all um, my mother wasn't an athlete at all. Uh, although they gave me some great values and some great skill sets, sports taught me things that like I wasn't going to learn in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout my, throughout the last few years, whenever things would start to get like rigid or would start to feel resistance around things, or even like the way people are like reacting around me and mm-hmm. responding and maybe their own BS. That's when I'm often like, something's off. Mm-hmm. Something's off. Let me look in the mirror here. Let me find out what's going on. And oftentimes I'm like, oh, 
it's time to reevaluate what I truly value in the world. Because if there's some resistance going on around me and there's people around me reacting and responding, but I'm the common denominator in there, then I need to figure out whether those people value the same things I value. And do I even value the things that I thought I used to? Um, So I did that recently, actually. And I just sat there and I was like, let me look at my values and some of the principles that I was living on. And I was like, oh, that doesn't really make sense today. That doesn't really align up with where I am. That's just a fucking buzzword Mm. that I would fucking say on Instagram. Like, I don't fucking really believe that. Um, And then it just, it's amazing. Like, you'll just chew off the fat and you just kind of like get everything out. And now I've got three. Mm. And it was like, I had like seven or eight, whatever. It was like, now I have three. And they may change in a year or two years. Um, But those three now are like, I really value those three things and it's what, like what are God. they uh yeah <laughs> no first know. one first one's hard work and consistency or consistent hard work like i realized i was like i fucking love the ability to go in and work hard mm. um and we talked about this i feel like we're missing that physical component in our jobs and in our everyday lives and you know a lot of us play sports i'm um, sorry either play a sport or um work out but even then it's like we don't have enough of it because that's like an hour. Yeah. Right. Like think about the rest of the time. So I love the ability to like go in and like move some shit around for work. Like there's a physical labor component that I love about events that I don't like to delegate. Like I love to do myself. So hard work, but being consistent with it. You know, I think it's truly important not to just like work really hard. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're dead for like a week. Yeah. Right. Like it's consistent hard work. Um, number two is humility, like having humility, you know, in the face of God, Mm. it's so critical for me. It's so important to value, like when people try to like, whether it's criticize me or give me recognition, if I'm getting criticized, it's a lesson, right? And take that lesson and be like, cool, what could I do better? If I'm getting recognized and I'm getting, uh, you know, if I'm getting all this glory, then I need to give that glory to God. Mm. For me, it's like, thank you. God's great, man. Like I, you know, whatever I do great is because of my love and because of my devotion to my faith. Uh, that's where it all comes from. That's where my strength comes from. If I'm getting criticized and I'm getting stones thrown at me, it's thank you. Cool. I'll do better. Yeah. Right. It's just having that humility because the ego would just kind of like wrap us up and it's like immediately do we get defensive? And if we're getting all this praise and I get it a lot, it happens to any of us that who are in the public eye. You're great. Oh my God, we love you. What would this place do without you? Um, your events are the best. Like, and if you buy into that, yeah, it's poison because then no one else can tell you how to do it better. Mm. Right. And it's complete poison. So humility is second for me. And then last, last, blah, last and not least is faith and grace. Mm. Like having tremendous amount of faith in the unknown and just knowing it's going to work out, knowing like no matter what it's going to work out and grace through that process is so tremendous for me. Dude, I, I love all of those. Thank you. Thank I you. think, uh, and to circle back to that first one, I'd, 
I've been loving and truthfully, I feel like half the stuff, not even more than half the stuff that I've started with Forever Athlete has truthfully just been for me, like selfishly for me because I missed it in my life mm. and I just needed an excuse to, to bring some people along with me yeah. uh, in doing these things. Um, but then recognizing like, oh crap, this is really beneficial for them as well. It's been really the coolest thing. And one of those elements has been like, I missed playing. I missed just like playing for the sake of playing. Yeah. I didn't, I went through that phase where post swim, bot, let's body build, let's follow this strict rugged, uh, rugged plan. I did the marathon training stuff. I've done the, a few races and now I'm very much at the past year plus I've been very drawn to like finding this duality of when do I like step into that structure, but then also intentionally stepping into that play and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on just kind of that concept of when do you turn to, to each? Because I think with too much of one, you lose sight of the other mm. and, and vice versa. And they both have, obviously, they show up in very different ways. And yeah. depending on which one you prioritize and value more, it probably creates some chaos in your oh, life. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, that's the, oof, that's the, that's the dance that yeah. we all play every day, right? It's like how much do you what's the right dosage yeah right for and it's going to be different for everyone and it's also going to be different for us in different seasons mm. right so someone was like not criticizing me but like kind of giving me a hard time that i've been so like focused on what i'm doing for yeah. work right that i don't give my friends more time um which is so weird because my work is play <laughs> like yeah like i throw parties for a living you know, so it's like you can come anytime and come hang out with me. Um, it's a dance, you know, and it's a dance that you have to do every day. And I don't like this like idea of like work should always be play and you should find a thing that like sometimes work is work. Yeah. You know, and it's so interesting. Like when I'm focused at work and like late night, there's like some it's chaos. And I am, like, making sure, like, everyone is safe inside. Things are happening. Like, people don't realize the chaos that's happening outside and the people that are trying to get in. And I am focused. And people, and mostly women, will come up to me and they'll be like, are you okay? Is there everything I can do? Like, 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 are you stressed? And I'm just like, nope. I am focused. I love what I'm doing right now. Like, I'm fine. And typically, I'll use that as a coaching moment with a lot of my friends and be yeah. like, look, like, when a man is, like, in his zone, it may come off as stress, mm. but I'm in just complete focus right now. I'm like in the zone and I'm loving this right now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a dance, you know, I think it's like how much play do you have? Um, I may have lost track of that question, but You're I get it. So I figured it out. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you can go back and, and, and rewind all that. Um, or just, Erase it. We'll leave it in there. I think there's good nuggets in it. Cool. So, <laughs> oh, man, like, I talked about this. As a young boy, not every sport I played was organized. Mm. Right? And for me, it was so critical that I played every sport. Right? We played football when it was cold out. Right? We played basketball in the fall and when it was warm out. In New York, like, there's a basketball court everywhere. Um we played baseball whenever the fuck we wanted. It was just like grab a, grab a glove, grab a sponge ball, and just either play catch 
you know, play wiffle ball, play whatever, uh, play manhunt. Like, um, and I think it helped me tremendously in the three sports that I was really active in, which was basketball, track, and baseball. Um, So to be able to play all of these different sports, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if we didn't play, like, I played football, right? And I didn't play organized football, but we played football in the park. Being able to take a hit, being able to, like, hit someone, even though it was a skinny runt, but being able to, like, put my body into someone, I mean, that transfers. You know, you learn how to fall. Yeah. Right? You learn how to fall. So, like, I was very rarely ever hurt because I would, you learned how to fall in a park, right? You learned how to take a hit. Um, So, I think playing is so important for us as adults. And it's like, it's got to be intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got to be intentional because think about, your schedule. Most people are working eight to 10 hours a day. Most people are working six, six days a week. Uh, then your social schedules get like crazy. Right. So it's like, when are you intentionally like going to play and shut your mind off? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you do a great job of doing things for the community, like flag football, like just putting these little opportunities for people to play where it's a couple of hours. And you're yeah. just going to play and just going to shut it off and you get to be a kid again. So I think being intentional and just looking for things that like allow you to just not think so much, but just get in your body and just go play. Yeah. That's why I like, that's the thought process behind most of the events that I do. Yeah. It's great. And it's not from a, Oh, I'm lazy and like, don't want to organize like some massive tournament. It actually, you would probably know this too. It's like sometimes even things that look like fairly loosely put together takes a heck of a lot of organization yeah. and coordinating. <laughs> so much. You know, I mean, you know yeah. how much effort goes into getting 20 people in yeah. a, a given space, if if not more, on any given Saturday yeah. morning, right? Like, I'm excited, man. In, in July, we're doing a, I'm doing a field day, teaming up with uh, Zach from uh, ATX Sprint Squad and we're just like oh literally God. it's just going to be an av- a morning of games yeah everything from sack races when to is that 22nd of july uh, july it's a saturday morning Something's there. Okay. around well i would i've been wanting to do something with highbrow so let's talk because maybe that's something where i can get my community involved heck yeah man i mean you guys are already doing all the hard work so there you go yeah we'll why not piggyback we'll on make it, it an easy <laughs> easy lift right um, yeah that's the whole point. Uh, no, but I love that stuff. Thanks, man. I, I want to circle back to one other thing you yeah. said in your, in your values um, as really that second one. I love the humility and the ability to remember that he is with us in in the good and the bad. Mm. I think it's it's easy in the default when we're getting criticized to turn and be like, yo, bro, like what the heck? I thought you had, our ba- you had my back. Like yeah. why are you letting him talk to me like that? Right. And then vice versa in the good being like, I forgot about him. Like, it's not, yeah, it's yeah. me. It's very human to oh, uh, God, to have so both of those kind of responses. In what ways have you, it sounds like, really learned to just still feel, but receive neutrally? Mm. I mean, it came from making a mistake mm. and going down both roads, right? And um, I think one of the biggest lessons I had was in, again, running that same community and I went into that super humble. It's why I got the opportunity. Yeah. Right. Like I met Cammy and Dave Lipson uh, at a seminar, super humble, so grateful to them. And 
I think Dave saw that and Dave was like, dude, you should reach out to a buddy of mine. He's opening up this gym. I think you'd be great. And I go into that and the same thing, just like I'll do any job. Yeah. Mind you, I had been already in the industry 10 plus years. I had owned my own gym. So here I am starting over again to work in this CrossFit gym and I was cleaning floors. I was watching it. Yeah. I was doing it all. Right. And so I went into it super humble. I get the job. Things are going great. We triple the membership. We're killing it. We're like the top gym in New York city. And I'm just getting all the glory. Like, Oh my God, you're the, you're fantastic. We love your programming. What would this gym do without you? All of it. Right. Yeah. And so I bought into that hype. And then my mentor, Eric Froelich, who was continuing trying to pour into me and saying, hey, like, you should maybe look at it this way. And maybe, you know, what if we did it this way? But I couldn't hear him. Mm -hmm. I was already buying into all the hype that people were telling me how great I was. Right. I drank that poison. And so there was no more growth opportunities. And so I went from being super humble to being in my ego. And we just... One, we butted heads. Two, I just stopped my learning. Yeah. And I had a very big rude awakening from it. Um, I lost that community. I mean, I decided to move on, but we got our relationship got to a point where we weren't going to be able to continue to work together. And, mm -hmm. it, was, and it was on me. Um, so I had to move on. Um, and so I always look at that as like a constant thing that I tell people when they're coming up is like never buy into your own hype. Because then you just stop your ability to learn. And so that lesson for me is huge today. Um, and even the other thing, you know, taking criticism. It's easy to throw up the walls and be and get defensive. It's yeah. easy to like when someone's trying to give you some feedback, it's easy for us to be like, well, here's why I did it. You don't just, you don't understand. Yeah. Let me explain to you. Why do you have to explain anything? You're telling me mansplaining doesn't right. always work. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know if it ever has. I don't know if it ever has. But, you know, even in getting criticism, it's like, take it. Just mm. receive it. Thank you. Okay. Cool. Not all of it, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Some yeah. of it is just somebody wanting to be heard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just want to be heard. And that's okay. I can take it. Right? I can take it. Um and so I can receive it, take it, and understand, like, in there, in that, there's something that I can take away and do better. There was a disconnect for this person. Where can I maybe try to close that gap? Mm -hmm. Now, also, you're not going to make everybody happy. So you've got to be able to take it with a grain of salt. But it's like, that's kind of where, for me, it was like, once I got recommitted to my faith, I realized, where's the fuel? Mm -hmm. Right? Where's the fuel? And it was like, grace under fire, getting criticism, fantastic, take the lesson. Mm. It's almost like when, my, when someone would, like a teacher or a coach would kind of like be getting on me, but they were well within their right, and my mom just kind of like, uh-huh, listen. They know what they're talking about. Listen. So I feel like God's like that right now. Like, hey, man, yeah. like, okay, there you go. Like, you thought you knew it all, but there you go. Take a listen. And the opposite way when... I am getting all the praise and I am getting it. I know it's not all me. Yeah. I have a team. I have people who work with me. I have people who made this possible. I have, I have mentors. I have leaders. I have guides who have poured into me. So I have that knowledge. It's not all me. Yeah. So just take it with, you know, take, thank you. Oh my God. I appreciate it. But you know, God is great. Isn't he? 
He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's and fantastic. that's kind of how I respond a lot. When I do receive praise, it's thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, glory be. To, I, I give my team. You know, yeah. I redeflect and I give my team the praise that they that they well deserve. Yeah, I think it's so easy in those pivotal moments, especially when obviously emotion gets involved, and um, it's easy to sit on a couch and be like. Yeah, man, like in those moments, <laughs> you know, it's this is what I do. This is what it should yeah. be. Come to um, me. Give me all the glory. Tell yeah, me how great I am. Exactly. Uh, but it's 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 easy to have let emotion really take the wheel. And it's my like, I see the, like the well intention behind stoicism being like, you should just like neutral, like stoic, take mm. it and uh, don't internalize it, but just feel it and like move through it. And to a degree, I think it, it works until it doesn't. Yeah. I, I've realized I think the only thing that truly actually helps with that and actually helps moving through it is in those moments, challenging yourself to instead turn towards Christ, instead toward, turn towards your relationship with God. And yeah. like, how can you pour into that? In what ways do you do that? And have you, has that changed over the years? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, having Christ in my life is what allows me to, to, to kind of feel it. Yeah. But then unload it. Mm. So I'm not holding on to it and I'm not harboring it. And so I think that's great. You don't think, have to, you don't right. have to carry it. Well, that's the thing. People think just because you're feeling it, that means you have to hold on to it and you got to live with it. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like it can pass. And it, the way it passes is just like grace. You understand, like, you know, you can, you can forgive yourself because you can ask for that forgiveness. And, you know, I know there are going to be people here who aren't Christian, so I don't want to, like, that's my personal relationship. Yeah. Right. That's my personal views. Um, but the way I see it is like, I have this great relationship and I have this thing that allows me to feel mm. what's happening as a man right there in that moment, but be able to take it in and then be able to pass it on and be able to deal with it and then keep moving forward. And that works for me. And it's funny, like there are so many people who, who criticize what we believe in and who will say it doesn't work and all that. That's fine. That's great. This works for me. This is mm -hmm. my personal perspective and it's proven through my life to work. That's all. That's that's all I can share. I was about to say, how many relationships have you had throughout your lifetime where people around you might not approve or they have their own opinions of it? Totally. But in the moments, it works for you. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying you know it's not a one to one. Like they're not directly directly correlated. But I think the same could be true when you're you're talking about a faith relationship. It's recognizing one. That looks different for everyone. Yeah. That is completely yours. It's not linear. It's not a, you've been doing it. You've been going to the thing every Sunday for yeah. X amount of times. Therefore, you are like, you're on level five <laughs> versus someone right. who's on level 20. Yeah. Whatever it may be. It's like everyone's relationship looks different. And it does. I, I will say, I think what I've I've come to know is just our our sense of self and this is where I, I, a favorite book of mine, man, I, I posted it a few days ago because it has come up in conversation a lot, is this um, book called Why God Won't Go Away. It's the neuroscience of religion. And it takes a look at 
um, a plethora of religions. It's yeah. not just Christianity, um, even though that's God's in the, the title of the book. For but sure. um, its whole basis is, and like we talk about on the show a lot, is this concept of flow. And one of the, the cornerstones of flow is this idea that what's going on in your brain is you lose yourself as part of something bigger than yourself. Mm. And each time we do that, and humans crave that, because our sense of self gets solidified more as we come down from that. And so we're constantly chasing, and sometimes we chase that in the wrong places, so to speak, or in places that are just immediate, like desire and dopamine hits for that specific moment. Uh, And you can genuinely start to feel over time, like what what is actually serving and pouring into me and developing that sense of self that is actually true and foundational versus a like ever fleeting thing Mm. you know what i mean yeah you know it's interesting how many especially in today's day and age how many humans have never experienced Mm. what this like flow just feels like right and because i was able to obtain that as a child playing sports yeah right where you don't have all of these thoughts. I mean, we didn't even have social media back then, right? Like we just <laughs> barely helps. had we just barely had video games, which lets you know how old I am. Um, but you don't have all of this stuff in your head, mm. and so at that moment, you don't even you're not thinking about your parents, you're not thinking about even your coach, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're just one with your team and this moment, and you're just in this complete zone. Mm. And so I feel I feel really. I feel for people who've never actually had an opportunity to experience that because it's it's one of the fucking greatest feelings you ever feel in your life, right? Yeah. And it's like where whatever you know, whatever you're doing, the, the the ball just goes into the hoop. You see the baseball and it looks like ten times what it normally looks like. You know, you're 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 diving and you just like, oh man, the pool, just, everything just feels good. Yeah. That can happen in our everyday lives now too, but unfortunately, we've got too many distractions. And that's why I said, I was like, there's something about shutting off your mind and going and doing some hard manual physical labor. So not too long ago, I was like, I was just out at highbrow and I had my headphones on and I'm just like jamming out to some music, like old school fucking classic rock. Right. Um, And I'm just raking leaves. Yeah. I'm just raking leaves and I'm moving some stuff around and the owner's brother comes out and he's like, dude, don't you have someone you pay to do that? And I was just laughing. and I was like, hey, man, when you get to a certain age, you're just going to really appreciate that we can still mm. do this. Um, and I think that's where, you know, it's easy to find that. Fl- it's hard to find that flow. I could be wrong, but it's hard to find that flow in really mental focused jobs sometimes because it's almost there's so much mental gymnastics you yeah. have to do. Like you're, you're like four problems down. You've got to think back sometimes. Um, but I know there's people who do it. Like there's mathematicians who just like find this like aura. They just find this thing that they can tap into. Um, so I'm curious about like in academics, like how do they find that flow where they can kind of get out of their way a little bit and just tap into this force? Well, you hit a big one there. It's so to, to preface, you're right. Most people don't feel this or at least feel it with frequency in their day to day life. 
the average knowledge worker, as uh, I was taught that's a, it. That's a good one. That's the a good average, point. The average knowledge worker um, gets about eight hours of flow a month. Okay. That's that's not a lot. No. And like you hear that. And when I heard that originally, I was like, but two hours most of week. us are working at least 40 hours a week, right? Like, right. what the heck? You're telling me two, like one twentieth of my hours, I'm getting like that sense of feeling, fulfillment, accomplishment, your productivity, your effectiveness is like through the roof. And then the other 19 twentieths, I'm just like, eh, yeah, like a shell of my potential self. And so that's why a lot of people feel like they have all this potential in the world, but they're not living up to it. Mm. And it's, you hit on a couple of different things. So there's, without the, turning this into a whole like flow yeah. masterclass, <laughs> there's 22 different flow triggers, 10 of which are individual, 12 of which are group focused. So you, you can find flow in like just yourself, like you did raking yeah. leaves. You can find flow in conversations with two or more people involved and one of the the classic things that is needed that unfortunately doesn't uh isn't the case for majority of people is one like clear boundaries you need full focus on the the Mm -hmm. task at hand so limiting that those distractions limiting the time spent on social media maybe it's like i removed all social media apps from my home screen I have to go in and like type out Instagram in full and then search the app store and then hope the app store loads and then click on the icon and then go in. And it's those steps where it's like, okay, now I need to make sure like I've had now enough time to check my intention of why am I going on here in the first place? And I'm way less likely than to end up in a, a 10 minute scroll. And the other thing is like why it's so challenging flow comes in four cycles so there's a struggle phase we all go through it when we're starting any task at hand our brain has to like dust off the cobwebs work up get that uh a clear handle on the problem really at hand get a grasp of okay like this is what's going on here i have the full picture then we need to go into a release we need to take a step away that's why oftentimes people have that epiphany moment in the shower or like going for that walk you've given the problem enough space to breathe so that when you come back to it you're able to ease into flow Mm -hmm. and just boom knock it out whatever it may be um and then on the backside is recovery because flow is a high it's a high energy expenditure state um that's why like after this conversation i didn't really have anything planned right after i knew i needed to like down regulate come down for a second and so it's like when we start to understand the frameworks and the triggers, we can then start to become way more intentional with setting up those guardrails that you kind of talked about earlier. That's the importance of the boundaries. That's the importance of the um, really these scalable rules that allow you to play. Why do athletes play a good game? There needs to be rules in place. Yeah. There's no rules like, I love watching football. Football is organized chaos because of the rules and the the penalties and there's like repercussions, right? Right. Some might argue it would be more fun if we took all the rules out. It's dumb that there's only four downs. It's like whatever it is. But it would be total chaos. It wouldn't be anything. No one would enjoy it. It, Like the rules are what make it what it is. Mm. And so we can start to develop a relationship with rules and structure that serves us, I think, in our lives, whether that be faith-based, like it, yeah. it all depends on your values. 
um, that allows you to then thrive within that structure. But without structure, what usually happens, like you said earlier, it's like if I don't have boundaries or I'm very porous with my boundaries, I'm going to be very triggered when you uphold a boundary. Yep. And I'm going to be like, mm, I don't like James. No. Yeah. He's bad. <laughs> you just described running a social club. There you go. So, and so one of the things, go ahead, I'm sorry. That, that flow cycle, yeah. that's how I run all my events. Interesting. That's how workouts yeah. work too. Same. Think about it. You yeah. go through a warm up, you like do some mobility, yep. you release, look at the workout, get, get set up. You go into flow yeah. for the bulk of the workout and then you cool down, recover. So two things I've run, like workouts, obviously, yeah. um, sales calls yep. how, or how I teach sales, right? You build a relationship, right? You build a rapport. You just ask them like mindless questions, you know, then you kind of set the framework a little bit. Uh, then you, again, you go back to asking some like easy layup questions to kind of yeah. get the people talking like, Hey, you know, like talk to me about your siblings, whatever, uh, to kind of like clear out space so that you can get to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but running a social club. So I found that like, there are social clubs that we're all familiar with that are like very rigid. Mm. They have very strict guidelines. Like you can't take pictures. You can't. You know, you have like all of these guidelines in how to operate. And so human beings naturally want to break those rules. Yeah. Right. Naturally. It's just, a, it's just a normal human thing. And then there's social clubs out there who have none. Or there's bars or clubs that have no guidelines. Right. And so yeah. it's chaos. You know, like they're constantly tossing people out and people are fighting or whatever. And so I realized I was like, okay, great. We're going to have guidelines. We're going to have a lot of gray area because you're dealing with human beings, but we're just going to have these basic guidelines on how to operate here and use values in those, right? So that people understand, okay, there's so much freedom here. Like at Highbrow, there's a lot of freedom. I think most people know that. We have yeah. a lot of freedom in there. Uh, but what people don't understand is there are guidelines because with freedom becomes tremendous amount of responsibility. 100%. Right? Like especially when you're dealing with humans and all kinds of stuff. So it's so important. You just talked about it. Like you just nailed a social club. Well, I was about to say, it's like I spent six years at a country club. One of the rules there, yeah. one of the guys, it, yeah. it was a heavily enforced and focused guideline was no cell phones on property. Um, like meaning you couldn't take a phone call. Right. And obviously certain members and employees, staff, AKA like all the, all the young 20 somethings and teenagers that are like, my phone is in my glued to my hand. What do you mean I can't use it here? Um, would balk at that rule, and it's like, but those are the things that make that place special. Mm. Now you might not agree with it, but you gotta. That's what is a brand identity. That's what is like what actually makes a place something worth standing for right. and feeling it for you to be a part of something, it has to also draw a line at like, what's not a part of this. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, like without that rule, it's a coffee shop. It's a right. public golf course. It's a, but because of that rule, you can charge $92,000 as an initiation fee and have a monthly dues of over a thousand dollars. And people line up out the door right. to pay that. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Like, guidelines right we talk about guidelines so we have a guideline or kind of in this like rule it's like no strangers mm. 
right? And you may hear that and be like, what? What do you mean no strangers? Well, what we mean by that is that when you're bringing your guest in, don't go out and just meet some random person at a bar and then bring them home. Yeah. Right? Like, we need to know who's coming in our door because there is tremendous amounts of freedom. So in order for us to keep people safe, yeah, your guest should be people you know. Because, again, you're bringing in people who maybe have never been here before. They've mm. never experienced this kind of a freedom before. They're, there's a certain way that we want our women to feel loved, seen, and, and you know, appreciated. And sometimes people don't understand that. And they come from, you know, they, they, they're used to going to a bar. They're used to going to these clubs where it's just like, you know, they're, they're, they're just looking to hook up. And that's not, that's just not tolerated in our space. So we say no strangers, meaning like, hey, like we want you to bring in good people that you know mm -hmm. so that the other person brings in good people that they know. And now you all become friends. Again. But there's no strangers. I love that approach. I didn't realize the, the hyper intentionality behind it, but I, I couldn't agree more, man. I think that's. Yeah, it's what makes it something worth standing for. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And it will draw the right people into that and it will weed out the people that. Right. That aren't meant to be there in the first place. And, that's and okay. unfortunately, you know, as we have to accept that there is, there's just, there's just people that you'll never get along with. Yeah. And there's just people who will never, they, they just don't belong. They belong to something yeah. else and that's okay. We just have to accept that. I had that with this podcast uh, a year ago. I was making some TikToks of yeah. like trying to do some promotion and I did a, a podcast or a TikTok that was like, these are the five podcasts that I listen to that like really helped my growth yeah. through my show at number three and had a list of <laughs> list of other shows in there. Yeah. And all the comments were anyone else noticed that it's all men on this, like oh boy. where you know, where is it? And I was like, Well, that's worked me. But like, hey, I see and like I see where your heart's at and like I appreciate the challenge. I'm gonna listen to some female hosted podcasts and I'm gonna share those. So then I go and share those and then it's like 50-50 uh, mixed bag. Some people are like, oh, this is awesome. So cool to see. Glad I'm going to go check these out. And then some other people stretch to nose. Well, where are the people of color? Where's the diversity in, in the... Right, um, And I was like, yeah. I mean, again, you're right. But at the same time, I can't put help but like throw my hands up and laugh. And like, yeah. I will never be able to appease them. And by me making this piece of content to... If it is for a form of self-validation, yes, that's going to be very frustrating, yeah. and I'll take that personally. But if it's me doing what I can to try to be a better person, I'll be like, all right, you know, I hear you. I see the challenge. I will do what I can. But, like, at the end of the day, we're also all entitled to, like, our own, like, preferences. Right. And there's nothing inherently, like, wrong or bad about them, I would argue. We've, we've become a society because the world has gotten so small because of the social media and because of the yeah. internet where we think we're supposed to like and appreciate and accept everything. And it's like this world is, I, 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 I think those people who like really feel that have never traveled. Mm. They don't know or, or realize how big this world is. And even this country, Right. And there's a reason why we're all so different. Right. Like there's a reason why in Texas. 
they think differently than there is in California, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about just two people who were born, right, in those two people, they think completely different. They act completely different. They talk completely different. Okay, look at how much space is in between those two people. Instead of villainizing one another for not thinking the same, what if we just gave each other grace and been like, oh, that's because that's how they do things in California. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That's how they do things in Kuwait. That's how I had to accept. I didn't go to Kuwait and try to change Kuwait. To like be what I want it to be. Like, whoa, what do you mean? Why are you going to listen to EDM music? Why are you going to listen to hip hop? What are you talking about? What do you got? What do you, what? You don't listen to hip hop? Why you don't like hip hop? What, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got against hip hop? I think those fucking people who think that way, they just never, they literally have never left what they, they left. And honestly, most people are just full of shit. <laughs> That's it. That's the way that most people are full of shit because in their own hearts, they don't live up to what they try. They don't live up to their own standards and what they mm. try to hold other people up to. And that's just the world these days. Most people do not hold themselves to a standard that they try to make other people up to. And that's why we love to tear down our heroes. Mm. Such a good point. I think it's the duality and the dangerous game of social at times. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's... It's a fine line to walk, tightrope at times. Yeah, I think social media has just magnified this human thing that we do. We've done it since the beginning of time, right? We build up people. We build up our heroes. We build up these legends. And then the moment they kind of step out of that, like, little thing that we've built them up to, we just, we want to tear them down. Um, And it's just a human thing that we do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it's... Un, unpopular opinion, but some of my favorite, you know, sports figures and and stuff over the years are not the ones that are like just historic rise, no fall. But I love love watching Tiger, and I think there uh, there's a there's a human element too to like watching a Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. watching a Michael Phelps come back, like after those things, because we on a human to human level we recognize that that is in within all of us. We can pass all the judgment we want of yeah. the decisions coming out and being like, oh my God, they're a horrible person. How could you ever do that when you're in exposition? You look at um, John Morant with the Grizzlies this past year and yeah. the two incidents with guns, and it can be very easy to pass judgment and say, you're a professional athlete, you represent the NBA, the potential face of the, you could argue, definitely face of the franchise in Memphis, potentially like, one of the faces of the NBA future, that was dumb. Why would you ever do that? But there's also that human element to recognize, you know, he might be struggling with something. He he doesn't know better. Yeah. He's still 23 years old. He's a kid. And still like developing. He's learning as he goes, and he deserves some grace in all of that. Right. Does it's, that mean it will cost him a few million dollars? Yeah. Yeah. And think about all the people who are casting stones at, at Jaw. Yeah. Think about that. None of them, none of them were ever 22, 23 years old with that level of fame and come from zero to now having this unlimited bank account. None of the people that are casting stones understand what that's like, right? And it's the same thing with Michael Jordan. I, I love to use Michael Jordan a lot because everyone wanted Michael to be this, like, hero. Mm. Right. 
he just wanted to play basketball. He's just what made Michael great was that he was this like incredible competitor. But it also didn't make him a great human. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you take that attitude and you try to apply it to like a corporate job, people would be like, he's a terrible person. But it made him the ultimate professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. Right. But everyone wanted him to be this like savior for us in real life. And Michael was like, I want none of that. I just want to be who I am. And he was this like incredible killer on the court. And that's why we look at him as the greatest basketball player of all time. But a lot of that didn't transfer to everyday life. And so we put these people on pedestals and the moment they can't live up to some crazy standard, which we'll never live up to ourselves. We just want to talk shit about them. We want to, right? Because it makes us yeah, feel good like, about ourselves. Uh, the gambling addiction. Yeah, the, the, gambling like, addiction. Sex like, addiction. Like whatever it may be. All this stuff, right? Like it's the best. Like you ever see those memes where it's like, you know, the guy's like, bad-mouthing somebody and he's sitting on the couch with like a fuck ton of like Doritos and all this shit. That's literally it. Like we're just, we're, we're trying to hold each other to these standards in which we don't hold ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, quite frankly, that's why I left the coaching industry. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but that's why I left the coaching industry because it was, it became this like weird, the last few years on Instagram and social media became this weird of like, I'm going to tell you how to live your life. Here are mm. all the rules to living a great life. I want to tell other people what to do. I'm the old. And it's like 90% of us don't even live up to that standard. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird the last few years that social media became this place of like, t- tell other people what to do porn. Yeah. Right. And the coaching industry is famous for like so many people who can't, make it in the real world who've never done anything in the real world and then all of a sudden they want to tell everyone else how to do it how to do it right like how many people became relationship coaches who like never had a successful relationship but they read it they read attached and they were like this is how many people became business coaches who've never owned a real business yeah right like they've never stepped foot they've never they've never signed a lease for a brick and motor gym or never a brick and motor space in their life right but they want to tell everybody else how to run a business but because they taught they took a couple of courses and we became this we became this society in which it's like just because i know something that means just because i learned something that means i know it yeah instead of Ooh, I've experienced this something, so now I can talk to you through whatever my own perception. Yeah. And that's why I don't tell advice anymore. I don't give mm-hmm. advice. I think of advice, advice is either given or taken, mm. but perspective is shared. And so I think when someone comes to me and they're like, hey, man, like, I need your advice on something, I'm like, uh, talk to me about what you're talking about and yeah. let me see if I can offer some perspective. Because if I give you advice, and you go and do it, and it doesn't work, well, then who's wrong? It's going to blame right? on you. Right. Like, like there's Bad so many other factors. I'm just pointing at yeah. you. <laughs> there's so many other factors in, like, why that advice didn't work, right? It's two different people. It's two different circumstances. Mm. It's completely so many things. But perspective is like, okay, I can see why he thought that way. Okay. And you can take a bit, and you mm. can take that a little bit. Or, or maybe it just allows you to look at the table just a little differently than what you looked at it before. But the answers are all with inside us anyways. Yeah. So giving advice, and that's why, like, I don't do it anymore. And I stopped doing it on social media because yeah. 90% of the time I was just projecting anyways. Mm. That's all I was doing. 
Like I just felt something that day in my own life that I was missing out on, that I wasn't living up to, that I wasn't feeling. Cool. You should do, 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 do this, and you should do this, and that. And it's like, great. Now I just told everybody else what I'm not fucking doing. Yeah. And yes. That's, and that's, it's like, and you wonder why people don't come to the business then and, and, and submit the inquiries and, and all the things, right? I I mean, it. it's funny. I, I'm very grateful for the, ca- for the coaching industry and the containers. I that, am. You know, like brought, I mean, that's what brought you and I together and this, this beautiful friendship that we've been able to share over the years. Um, I, I think I started to notice it really early on, even in that I, I love the Empower container that w- we got to meet in. Um, I thought it was something was definitely off when it was like 60 of us, all coaches in some regard, going through this course. And it, I, I feel like it happens almost in every class. There's a handful of people in every single one that, two, three weeks in, pivot, and now all of a sudden they're a business coach. And you're like, wait, what? You didn't come in with that intention, but now yeah. you started to see a framework, and you're like, oh, well, that might that's actually easier. I'm just going to copy the framework that I'm being given. And so I've paid X amount of dollars for this knowledge. Yeah. Now I'm just going to spew this knowledge as if it's my own and ask for the same. I want to make my money back and more. And it misses the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the coaching industry helped – I mean, prior to 2020, yeah, there were it was it was a fantastic. It still is a fantastic industry, yeah. right? I'm, I'm speaking in general. Um, there's still tremendous amount of people doing great work. However, over the last two three years, it's definitely got to a place where it's becoming. It's not as successful as one may think it is. That's so the all. same thing with the creator economy yeah, as right. well that you've seen. And, right. and it became almost like an MLM sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the containers that I've been in, I've met some incredible people. So my biggest takeaways of these containers were like, I met some incredible people. I did get some helpful information. Um, I did learn a couple of things. And I definitely learned a lot of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. By watching others, like, you know, just like, ooh, I, okay. See, I saw that. I'm going to have grace for you, man, but. I'm not going to do that. I joke with people now. I like some content that I do see in that space. I can pick up on it really easily. Yeah. You don't see it in people's, in the, the guru's eyes. And you're like, it looks like there's like an internal gun to his head. And he's, he's sharing this. It's probably not, probably not real. You know, that's, that happened to me. Yeah. You know, that happened to me. I think it happens to all of us. Yeah. I felt that as a creator. Uh-oh. And I think it, again, it's in those moments where you get to challenge yourself and, and redirect your focus and say like it is this truthfully in alignment or am i trying to force something and sometimes fighting for something you can still be super passionate and fight for something and give it space mm. absolutely it doesn't Uh-oh. mean fighting for it doesn't always mean suffocating and like going harder going harder which is a really i'm stubborn man like that's a that's a really hard lesson to learn as a former athlete coming from you're you want to work at something you just keep doing it right fucking keep doing rep after rep after rep until you get it right and then you go home but that's again like one plus one doesn't always equal two in when you take that belief system and apply it to a totally different environment i mean and that's that's the world we live in because Mm. we've allowed ourselves especially in this country um to open ourselves up to all of these different schools of thought and ways of living. 
Yeah. Right. And that's became the, the United States project was it's this incredible project where and it's an I look at it as the United States as an art piece. Right. Like mm. we're not done by any stretch of the means. This is art. Right. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. We brought in all of these schools of thought, all of these ways of doing things, and they're all not going to mesh well. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have this school of thought of be an athlete and you go hard and you go hard and you do it until like you're finally exhausted and you go home <clears throat> and you see that that works for you. And that works. And then you get around your family or you get around your friends who are, don't have that or you go to work later in life and you go to work in that work environment isn't like that. <sighs> That's a struggle right there because you're like, I live this. I know this works for me. Yeah. This is. This, this works but everyone around you is like I, I want no part of that man like this is how what works for me and then you have so the biggest challenge is like how do you how do you grow how do you be how do you become a little bit more malleable and saying okay well that did work for me for that mm. what else could work yeah I, I talked about it on a few episodes back actually I did a, a solo episode on around money mindset and like dissected um, takeaways from a money mindset intensive that I did with yeah. our, our dear friend, Nick Pags. Love that. And, uh, I miss Nick Pags. We kind of came up with this theory that, you know, our beliefs are oftentimes like ingredients to a recipe. Yeah. And just because we might really love cinnamon, we might really love garlic or salt and peppers, yeah. like tried and true, inherently good on everything, right? Like doesn't mean beliefs. Like we look at beliefs through this black and white they need to be steadfast applied to every single thing. Depending on the belief, it won't produce like the end result. Just mm. like some ingredients really fuck up some res some recipes. You might like really love cake, but if you put in, I don't know, like take the sugar out of it, you're like, just, they've tried. Yeah, they, people have tried taking sugar out of cake. Doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work. So unfortunately, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that approach. I, mean, I want to be respectful of both of our times here, yeah, man. Yeah, for this sure, is, man. This has been a blast. Um, I want to ask you the fast five. They're going to be Let's rapid fire, one sentence, one word answers. Cool. Number one, what is your go-to podcast? If you're listening to any. Joe Rogan. Fair enough. Number two, spoken like a true Austin, by the way. Number two, um, what is your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Oh, man. Um, the Gap in the Game. Mm. Number three, what's something you can't live without? prayer number four what is a quote that you live by keep it simple number five if you could sum up your focus right now to just one word what's that word grace mm. beautiful stuff man thank you james thanks for for coming through where can the people here connect with you hear more about what you're doing what is going on at highbrow like whatever you want to oh. plug I endorse it. So awesome. go for it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Instagram is a great place to connect with me. I'm not big on all the other social media platforms, but the gram, uh, James P Quigley. Uh, you can find me there. Um, I do like to respond to messages when I can, uh, but I just kind of share what's going on around me. Uh, highbrow, lowbrow. Austin is the Instagram page for the space that I run here. It's a private membership, social club and a pop-up event space. Um, it's been such a game changer in my life to be able to kind of like not only help build a community, but also work with so many different people uh, to help them with their events and their, uh, their happenings. 
Um, and other than that, I'm in Austin, man. Just come come on down and like Corey did. If you find me, we'll go maybe grab some barbecue and go shooting just like we did. Yeah. Coffee, tacos, and guns. That's it, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Austin. Well. <laughs> Thanks, James. All right, brother.